This is the Big Brand Theory Podcast by Blackwood Creative with your host, Kyle Johnson. And now, here's Kyle. Hey guys, today we get to talk to Mr. Justin Mostyn. He is a EOS integrator and a business coach and a dude just full of energy and full of wisdom. So today we're going to talk about implementing some systems to help our teams be successful. We know how important that is, especially in the world of marketing. So here's my conversation with Justin. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. That's awesome. Um, So tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. So who I am, I am passionate about helping teams thrive. And so I've been on this journey. When I moved down to Elkhart, Indiana in 2004, my brother and I started a character and leadership youth mentoring program called Five Star Life. Mm-hmm. I was the fundraiser, president of the organization. Seth was really the glue, the guts, making it all happen. I was the professional noisemaker. <laughs> and I, I, after seven years, I just realized I would rather have a case of gout than fundraise. But I love the mission But I had to scratch this entrepreneurial itch, and so I started a leadership training company uh, back in 2012, and I've been on this journey of how do I build the skill sets to add as much value to teams as I can. And so I spend every day, all day, building teams, helping them drive vision. It's really three things I help them do, vision, traction, and healthy. So helping everybody get on the same page with where they're going and how they want to get there, traction because a lot of teams are not disciplined, they're not focused. So I help them build a a, a team that is more disciplined, more focused, more accountable, every single person achieving traction on every part of that vision. And then healthy, because you and I both know, a lot of small to mid-sized teams are more dysfunctional than functional. So I help them create a more cohesive, united, functional leadership team. That's what I do every day of the week. Except maybe on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> maybe on Sundays. There yeah. are occasional times where it's still, still happening on Sundays. There's occasional times where yeah. I have to have a call or I'm for sure traveling to a location because I travel the country doing this. So Yeah, I was going to say, this isn't just a, a local thing that you're doing. You're going all over the country. Yeah, I'll probably do about 130 full-day sessions working with 25 different companies. And they range from Colorado to Utah to Tennessee to Ohio. And mostly I want them to be in Indiana or Michigan. <laughs> So what about the companies that you're working with? Like what size or type of companies are, are there like limitations around that? So I'm agnostic to the industry or the type of company. Usually um, th- what I do, I'm, I'm an implementer. I'm a certified implementer for EOS. So mm-hmm. that's where I spend 90% of my time. I do some keynote speaking, but um, the, the system only works uh, if you're not a dictator. So I don't work with dictators. Mm. Whether they're good dictators or bad ones, uh, this system doesn't work that I offer. Um, if the team is willing to grow and hungry, hungry to grow and willing to change, some people just aren't willing to change. So why bring somebody like me in? It's a waste of your time, my time, right. your money. It's, it's no good. Maybe. And then usually size-wise, I would say 10 to 250 employees. I have a couple clients that are you know 700 employees, but 10 to 250 is kind of a sweet spot. And then uh, company range is you know two million to fifty million in size. Okay, so you mentioned this a little bit just right at the beginning there. So, um, and and I want to clarify this that we're talking about building teams because uh, on this marketing podcast because right. there are marketing teams out there that are uh, 
failing at worst and just getting by at best in certain cases. And if they built a stronger team, their work would be that much better, right? Yeah, you you can't achieve anything without a, a team. And that team has to have some common rules. You have to have clarity as to where are we going and how do we want to get there and how do we want to behave while we're getting there. I mean, there, there's a lot of evidence about culture that's toxic. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a marketing firm or any firm. If, if it's a toxic environment or if there's no accountability, what's that going to affect? It's going to affect the client you're serving. Yeah. So if you don't have a freaking awesome culture and if you don't have disciplines in place to actually deliver results to that client, there's a lot of competition out there that are, are doing a better job than maybe some other firms. So the more you can dial in your people, the better your culture is, the more accountable you can be to the results you're committing to do, the better off you're going to be. <laughs> so what do you feel like as, as, these, as us... I'll say our company or mm-hmm. anybody out there who's running a small team. Uh, what are some of the what are some of the key aspects to building? I guess a strong team. I, I think the first thing, Kyle, that I I'm a certified speaker trainer coach with the John Maxwell team. I have several. Mm-hmm. I would say arrows in my quiver of sure. tools that I bring out. But I am a firm believer that you. If you want to gain traction, if you really want to achieve your vision, you have to have an operational system in place. Doesn't mean you have to use EOS, but you have to have some formal understanding of what is an operational system. And usually that system is going to focus you, instead of being the the chief fire putter outer, (laughs) you you need to have a system that focuses you on like the the, the six key areas of any business. So vision, you got to win in the vision component. That's getting everybody on the same page where we see it. Everybody in the organization has to see it. Then you got to work on the people component. That's a literal strategy. You have to have a people strategy because people are what get the vision done. Then you have to have the data component. You have to have a, a, a system that helps you focus on the data. So many people get busy doing busy work and they're not looking at the data. They're going off of gut feels. Mm-hmm. Marketing, design people, graphic, I mean, artists, they, they go off of feels way more than they go off of hard data. So getting the data right is keeping everybody focused on the truth. What's the data telling us? Yeah. And then once you got the the vision, the people, the data dialed in, you got to have some way of solving issues. Your company, my company, um, there's a lot of competitors in the teams of people that solve issues faster for their clients than the other teams. Guess who's going to win overall, long term? It's the people that know how to solve issues. So if you don't have a system focused on solving issues, a lot of teams... uh, A term that drives me crazy that I've declared war on is habitual mediocrity. It's accepting mediocrity in areas of the business because of habits, because of bad systems, because of bad disciplines or lack of disciplines. So we got to solve the issues. And then you got to... You got to... demystify your secret sauce. You have to document your processes. So you got to have some type of process documentation of this is how we do this throughout the whole organization. And lastly, you got to have a system of meetings. You got to create a cadence where if I'm on your team and I serve you, you're my boss, where you're you're with me enough to know if I'm winning or losing and I'm accountable to you and Mm. I'm accountable to my peers. So having some type of meeting cadence, we call that the traction component. So that's like you have to have an operational system. That's number one. Number two, you got to have clear vision. 
where everybody knows exactly where we're trying to go. And I mean vision from a standpoint of, yes, long-term, but I mean every 90 days. So mm-hmm. we have a tool in, in the, Gino Wickman wrote a book called Traction. Okay. And this tool is called the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer. Yes. And there's really eight questions you have to answer. And if you don't answer them, it doesn't mean that you don't have it figured out. For years, I thought vision was just a really cool vision statement that got everybody pumped up <laughs> or a mission statement. Yep. Uh, vision to me has changed since I met Gino Wickman. It's, it's the eight questions. The, the total sum of those eight questions gives your team members clarity of vision because here's the eight questions. Number one, what are our core values? Because culture eats strategy for lunch. If I don't give my team a vision for the kind of culture required, yeah. then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna build the DNA because strategy doesn't doesn't beat the DNA of the people. Hmm. So what's the vision of our culture? We gotta clarify our core values. Then you have your core focus, and it's a new term. It's it's mission, vision. Some people call it voice, uh, uh, strategic coach. I think they call it your, uh, you know, Jim Collins calls it the hedgehog concept. Lots of different terms. Yeah. We're simply saying, what is your passion, your core focus? What's, what's, what's at your core? What are you passionate about? And then what's your laser focus? Hmm. So um, for me, my, my passion is I want to bless people. I want to grow companies, and I want to fund ministry. That's why I do what I do. I wake up every day. I just want to bless people. I want to grow their companies, and I want to fund ministry with the revenue coming in the door. That's why I exist. But what do I do? I speak, train, coach, and lead leaders in their teams. Every day, that's what I do. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of combining the why and the what in one crystal core focus. And then the third question you have to answer is, what's our 10-year target? Jim Collins calls it the BHAG. Yes. So, so getting clear on those three plus a marketing strategy, giving clarity to your whole internal team to what your external marketing strategy is so that everything we do is spending money externally to the right audience. Who's our ideal target audience? What's the three uniques that we need to tell them? What's our proven process, a visual description of exactly how we do what we do, and then do we have a guarantee, something that has some teeth to it? Mm. So in my world, I'm a consultant. I hate the term consultant, so I'm not a consultant. I'm an, <laughs> I'm an implementer. Okay. But my guarantee is if you didn't get value for the day that I just gave you, don't pay me. Mm. Now, it's, it's unlikely that I'm going to schedule the next day. Yeah. But my guarantee is no contracts. I only want to get paid if I brought value. If I didn't bring value, don't pay me. Yeah. Most consultants say, sure, I'll do that work for you. Here's here's the contract, sign it, pay me 50% up front, and we'll do business. Yeah. I don't have that. My my sales mechanism has a guarantee. So it's getting clear so that everybody in the organization knows what's the marketing strategy, how do we go to market? And then you need a three-year picture, because a picture is worth a thousand words. You need a one-year plan. This is teeth to the organization. The next 12 months, what are our three to seven goals? And then we have 90-day rocks, and then you have your issues list. Hmm. If you don't answer the issues list question, what are all the biggest issues that could get in the way of achieving those first seven questions? Companies die because they fail to solve their issues. So we want you to create this open, honest environment. So those eight questions, core values, core focus, 10-year target, marketing strategy, three-year picture, one-year plan, 90-day rocks, and issues list, that is vision.
yeah, that's a that's a lot more comprehensive than uh, a little statement on a wall somewhere that somebody threw together and that was it. And and here's where I think so many people make a mistake. They put the thing on the wall because they had an amazing weekend retreat doing some <laughs> big strategic plan, and the statement goes on the wall. But a lot of times, the thirty-page strategic plan goes into file 13 because they don't have a system of accountability to actually gain traction on that vision. And so for, for what I do, every 90 days, that leadership team is sharing the entire answers to all eight of those questions to their whole team every 90 days. Hmm. So within a couple years, everybody in that organization has heard the vision, all eight questions, eight times. Hmm. And it's like, it's like constant repeat Gina Wickman told me one time, he says, Justin, I, I like it when people think we're a cult. <laughs> like, well, I'm like, what do you mean you like that? He goes, because if we repeat it so often, so exacting, if you say the same thing that I say, yep. then everybody gets it. They get it in a way that they would never get it if it's just sporadic. Mm-hmm. And that's in marketing, that's called flow. You want your social media platform to match the newspaper, to right. match the billboard, to match the TV. It's called flow. And we just got to put it on repeat where we mess up is we don't put it on repeat for the internal team who's actually delivering all the services that we want. That's why vision is so important. And that's the conversation that I just had with my team literally yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and Patrick Lencioni, one of my favorite guys out mm-hmm. there, um, he used the term that I think actually maybe Ramsey coined the chief reminding officer. And yeah. he said, I, can, I need to be reminding people so much that they they do the, the teenage eye roll, yeah, I got it kind of yeah. thing. And you're like, yeah. okay, now you got it. Yeah. And we were just talking about it. And that's yeah. what we do with marketing all the time. And then we think that we can communicate to our team one time mm-hmm. and they got it and mm-hmm. they don't. Mm-hmm. Or they, mm-hmm. they got it for five minutes and then they moved on to the next task and they yeah. forgot. Yeah. So that idea of just... I just need to say it again. Yeah, I know you heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. And what's more important than reminding? It's doing. Doing, yeah. So, so yes, we have to have a vision. Yes, we have to repeat it. But it's the doing, the living, the carrying out that vision. So U.S. Worldwide had a conference a couple of weeks ago. So I've spoke at their conference two years in a row. And my topic was why every leader needs a compelling vision, not just a VTO. And I interviewed, I, I, I'm like you, I'm a reader. I, I read a lot of books, a lot of leaders. But when I was doing my big Lead USA event where I brought in Bob Chapman, he's the number three CEO in the world mm-hmm. because of culture, really. But Harvard, McKinsey, uh, Simon Sinek, Amy Cuddy, all kinds of people have done case studies at Bob Chapman's company called Barry Waymiller Company. He wrote this book. Um, it's called Everybody Matters. And it says the extraordinary power of caring for people like family. And Bob and I are friends. I don't know why he would even call me a friend, but he's an amazing <laughs> guy. So I did this 35-minute Zoom interview with him. And the compelling vision of why people need a compelling vision, not just eight questions answered with their vision traction organizer, is because a compelling vision is what you do as a leader by caring for your people. That's what causes people to want to run through brick walls for you. Mm. Your your vision is not really, people don't wake up going, man, I can't wait to achieve the vision of zip printing. Yeah. The, but, but it's how you make them feel and how you engage them and how you care for them. All of a sudden, they care more about zip printing because you're caring for them. That's what Bob Chapman taught me. And he, he gave me two terms that I just think are 
ridiculously important to understand. He said, management is different than leadership. Hmm. So for all the marketing people that are listening to this, if you're so focused on the tactics of executing the plan, the, the, the marketing strategy for your clients, but you don't catch this. So Bob says marketing or management. We teach, we teach in schools that management is, he goes, this is how I've defined it when you look at the country. Because 85% of the workforce feels unvalued, uncared for. They leave work feeling undervalued. Yep. So Bob says management is the manipulation of others for the benefit of self. He says leadership is the profound realization and stewardship of those under your care. When you flip from saying, I, I manage people to get results that I want, mm. to I care for people, and I want to create an experience for them where their life is thriving, so they go home, they're healthier, there's less divorces, there's better fathers, there's better mothers, because I made their life better. Mm. When you lead that way, then people buy into your vision. Then they buy into executing for your client's marketing strategy because of how you're making them feel. Hmm. And I've heard this uh, in, in, you know, Simon Sinek with his start with why the whole yeah, that yeah. whole piece of it. Um, I the pushback that I've heard on on this, what you're saying, and that whole and the why piece is, well, what if I have a boring company? You know, what if I make parts for this that's not like they struggle with coming up with that that why that passion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when in reality I'm just taking over grandpa's company and I don't I just need a job and mm -hmm. I'm just managing like how do we convert that from this <laughs> like so so I think it's Pat Lencioni wrote the book The Motive and he talks about how some people, they rise up in the ranks and their view of CEO is, I've finally arrived. Now I can get what I want mm. and everybody's here to serve me and I want to take more vacations and I want to golf more and I want to do this more and I want to kind of get what I want out of this deal. That's motive. There's some CEOs that have that mindset. Mm -hmm. they, they struggle with building amazing cultures. Mm. And then you have the other motive where a CEO takes position and says, I, I, I've been working my whole life to have this opportunity to build a culture where everyone is cared for. And it's a privilege and it is a weighted responsibility to, I could care, my, my little company, Rackley Restoration, uh, we suck up poop in the basements of people's homes when, when needed. There's yeah. mold, there's yeah. fires, there's floods. It's not a sexy job, mm -hmm. but why do we do it? Because we care about the people on our team, the guys that are running the company, Christian Rackley, Aaron Newman, and Carmen Wright, they, they, they could care less what the industry is. They're excited to be a part of building something that's bigger than us, mm -hmm. and it stems from the leader. When, when I did this interview, and I want to give this gift to anybody listening to this, if you want to listen to um, Bob Chapman, a 30-minute interview with him, I interviewed Jason Lippert from Lippert Components. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know him. Yep. I interviewed his leadership uh, director, head of culture and leadership, Dr. Amber Selking. Mm -hmm. And then I interviewed um, Steve Robinson. He was the uh, CMO, chief marketing officer for Chick-fil-A, directly underneath Truett Cathy for 35 years. Mm -hmm. The story is phenomenal. The book is Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but if you want to get the DNA of what it looks like for these leaders. These are billion-dollar enterprises that started very small. Yeah, 
they went from, I think Bob Chapman went from 18 million, one plant, one product to 110 acquisitions and 3 billion and 12,000 employees. He yeah. built it. Why and how? Because of the kind of DNA. Yeah. Chick-fil-A, it took them 52 years to get to their first billion dollars. Wow. Took them 18 months to get to their fifth billion dollars. We're talking the way they do it. It's not what they're doing. It's the way they're doing it with right. each other yeah. that creates that engagement. So the free gift is justinsfreegift.com. There's like five awesome interviews in if you care about your people, if you want to understand culture and get clear on vision, I think that could be a, a great resource. It would just be, a, if it's helpful for you, take advantage of it. Nice. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. We're going to stop right here so I can just go out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we're going to continue. Um, so let's let's tie this in. Like the culture, obviously, we, we know that's super important. How does, how does culture then turn and affect our marketing? So uh, I love this thinking that Steve Robinson gave me. Again, 35 years with Chick-fil-A. And he made a comment. He goes, Justin, when I started out, he goes, we were focused on trying to sell sandwiches. Mm -hmm. He goes, and we shifted the entire organization because of the vision of Truett Cathy. He goes, we got behind his vision. You have to listen to the interview to really understand that. Now, granted, he's a faith-based guy. It's a faith-based kind of mission that they're on. Sure. So if you get offended by that kind of stuff, don't watch that video. But mm -hmm. if you can kind of overlook that, if it offends you, just to grab the meat of, of what they did, the, the genius to me was when Steve said, Justin, he said, Never one time did Truett Cathy, when I was showing him all these marketing ideas, never once did he ask me how much it cost. He goes, he goes, Justin, every decision Truett made with all of my ideas, all my crazy marketing ideas with the cows and the billboards and mm -hmm. you name it, he said every question that he asked me was around that core focus. He goes, well, help us do this. That was part of their mission. Yeah. Well, help us do this. Well, help us do this. And he goes, if it hit all three of those key pieces of our vision and our mission and our purpose, he goes, true, it always said, well, then I think it's a good idea. <laughs> he goes, no, don't get me wrong. He goes, all my other executives, they were hammering me with the numbers. They were hammering me with all the tactics. He goes, but as a leader, what Truett cared about is it did it actually help us move the needle on the vision? And so how my belief, listening to Bob Chapman, uh, Jason Lippert, and, and Steve Robinson, culture... Is, is internal. Brand is the external experience that you communicate to the rest of the world, but it's not just what you communicate. It's the experience that you deliver through your people. Hmm. And so if I have a set of core values, but my marketing does not align with those core values, that whole message is going to be incongruent and I, people won't believe what I'm laying down on the marketing side if their experience in my store is not exactly the same vibe and feel. That's why when when I, I Kathy Wonderly is the local Chick-fil-A owner-operator in mm -hmm. Mishawaka on Main Street, and I go to their store, and I always hear my pleasure. Yep. And it's a smile. That experience, when you, I listened to Steve, he was talking about, he goes, Justin, my pleasure was a very intentional training piece of everything we do because that, that exudes an experience and people feel more valued when you say my pleasure versus you're welcome. Mm. Just little tweaks of brand experience. So that that's, culture is internal, brand is external, married to that internal because the people have to live it and believe it. 
how can a leader of a team help cultivate a culture like that? I mean, places like Chick-fil-A and Mm -hmm. Apple and all of these well-known, the ones that get pulled out in every single podcast that we talk about, they've got teams, they've got money, they've got time to research and invest in this type of stuff. But what about the rest of us, right? Like how can we as leaders cultivate a culture that shows up on the outside Mm -hmm. in brand experience? Uh, I will say this as simply as I possibly can. If you're a small organization, I is one. I have a small company called Rackley Restoration. It is 100% the experience, the mark. We're doing very little marketing, mm. very little. 90% of the jo- 95% of the jobs we're getting is because of the experience. My team, Christian Rackley, Aaron Newman, uh, Carmen, they are creating an experience. So how do you cultivate it? Is you become fanatical about getting the right people in the right seats. In, in EOS, when I serve my clients, right people means they share your values. I literally train my teams to hire and fire, reward, promote, and recognize based on core values. It is not soft skills. Hmm. You and I both have worked with people that suck the life out of you. It's like working with Eeyore every day. (laughs) And there's no way you can build a brand with someone that has that DNA if your DNA is Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. Now, they did make a great cartoon out of having both of them together, but you can't build an amazing organization with people that don't share the same values. What we need is different skill sets coming together, but we have to share the same values. So you asked the question, what about us small companies? If you fight to maintain people that share your values and then you give them a system, you give them specific roles that they are gifted in, you never should put me in a CFO seat or anything to do with details or reports. I will suck at that. I hate that activity. But my wife or other team members, they love that activity. So find someone that shares your values and they have the unique ability to deliver exactly what you want with that seat, which means you have to have clarity as to what your job is, what my job is. And we can share the same values, but what you do and what I do are very different. But if we share the same values, we can, we can do life together and achieve something that's bigger than both of us. Hmm. So how do you create that culture? You got to hire and fire based on core values. Most people hire and fire based on performance and skill and they skip the culture alignment. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. And and I've heard it and tried to implement it even here with our team, this idea of I'm going to hire for culture and I can train for skill, mm-hmm. right? It's, a, it's 100% true, and it's something we've experienced. Probably anybody who's paying attention has experienced this, like, this person's not a good fit for our culture. They might be doing a fine job. They might do the the work well, but they're they're toxic to the culture. They're mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So so this is a question I have, uh, and I feel like it's a it's one that kind of goes. There's people on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Do you hire quickly uh, <laughs> and then fire slowly, or the reverse, or is it hire fast, fire fast? Where where do you fit in that idea of so this, this is a very interesting concept because I can show you great leaders that have done it both ways. Mm. 
And Bob Chapman is one of those great leaders, and he has this term called courageous patience. He does not fire fast. What he does is he endures courageous patience while you be, he goes, Justin, I feel like so many people have been burned. My DNA is that I'm going to be courageously patient and you will watch me live out our core values for so long that I'm going to turn you into a believer. He goes, I'm going to turn you into believing that we do care about you. He goes, I'm going to be courageously patient. He goes, now, if you're a leader, he goes, there's more responsibility. So we're a little harder on that. He goes, but at the end of the day, Bob Chapman, he chooses to be a little bit more patient with how he fires because he wants to treat people like family. You don't fire your kids <laughs> from being in your family. You you love them. You yeah. engage them. You go through life with them. You go through hard things with them. So that's the that's Bob Chapman's way. And I can take you to another great leader, and they may say, yeah, I fire fast. What I think you have to do is all of your decision-making in hiring and firing need to align with your core values, mm. need to align with your core focus, because when organizations, leaders make decisions that are not congruent with what they're trying to accomplish, how they're trying to accomplish it, their core values, and why they exist, that's inauthentic. So if you're a person that moves fast, and you're intense, and you have a high bar, then in the hiring process, you would tell people, hey, listen, we move fast, we're intense, and, and, and we have a high bar. So if you don't like that DNA, you probably won't make it very long here because we don't waste a lot of time. Mm. We'll tell you right away, our goal is to coach you up. It's not, I'm not looking for ways to fire you, right. but I'm, gonna, I'm willing to have hard conversations. So whether you fire fast or fire slow, the best leaders have difficult conversations around why it's not working way before they fire you. Mm. Culture, toxicity comes when you just chop people off at the knees and you don't tell them why. Yeah. And that's usually a sign of weak leadership. Weak leaders don't like having the difficult conversations. They kind of churn and burn people because it's easier for them to fire and find someone new. But in today's culture, in today's like, we can't find enough people to come to work. Right. If you have a churn and burn mentality, uh, you're going to be, you're yeah. going to be hurting. Yeah. And so it's the leader that says, I don't, I'm not looking to hire fast or slow. I'm looking to make sure you know this is my set of core values and this is where you are. You're below the bar. Mm. And I'm going to have that conversation a couple times before I make the determination if I'm going to get rid of you or not, but you're going to know what's coming. Does that make sense? Yeah. So whether it's fast or slow, I don't think matters. What matters is I'm going to tell you when you're not fitting in mm. and I'm going to work with you because I care about you. The communication piece of it, right? That's the piece. That's huge, and that's, and I've heard that coming up. And as growing as a leader, I can distinctly remember times when I've failed at that. Right? Mm -hmm. I didn't communicate, and I fired somebody, and they were surprised by it. Mm -hmm. And that right there was a like, well, I did it wrong. They shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And the last time I fired somebody, we sat down in the room, and they. They knew exactly what was happening. They right. knew what this meeting was for. Right, right. Because I communicated yeah. regularly, and it's amazing the difference, right? Because if you, I'm that I'm that guy, right? I yeah. want to fire really slow. Right. I want to give you the twelfth chance, the thirteenth right. opportunity <laughs> yeah. to get it right. You know, sometimes a little bit to the detriment uh, of the team, but but that's my personality and. Right. I'm learning to have those hard conversations right. and then make 
by the time you had those, and if it if it is a fire, then they know it's coming. And that's why systems help leaders make those decisions more effectively and yeah. maybe make them more uh, consistently. Yes. Because a system will give you some guidelines or some some rails to go by, and you're not just doing it on the feel. Yeah. You have a system. And so with EOS, we have a three-strike rule. It's, it's part of our system. So you coach up. You have three strikes. Once you hit the third strike, if you're not living their core values... You're telling me you don't want to be a part of our team. I'm not firing you. You're choosing not to live our core values. And so you have that conversation, but you got a system to help you more methodically own and be the the leader that owns your role. Your responsibility is to protect the team, keep great people on the team, and encourage people to either step up or step out if they're not going to own their roles or own the values. Mm. So you, you've mentioned having a system multiple times. Uh, and, and a lot of people know about EOS. Right. Um, and it's got, it's, it's got a, a framework that works, I think, for a lot of companies. Yeah. And there's probably companies where it's maybe a little overkill for how big they are. And then other companies, I don't, I don't know exactly the frameworks. But mm-hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about a system. Again, let's, let's say for maybe a smaller company. Let's mm-hmm. take zip printing for example. Mm-hmm. You know, less than ten employees. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, there's not there's no middle level management, all that kind of stuff. So, when you talk about system, do you feel like we should go towards an EOS or something of that nature, or can we create our own? What does what does a system really look like? Is it is it super structured? Is it? Talk to me a little bit about that. So, so you're looking at a guy right now that has no structural bone in his body. <laughs> like I was attracted to US because I knew I did not have the disciplines internally. When you, when you read that story, uh, childhood storybook, uh, The Tortoise and the Hare, mm-hmm. who wins the freaking race? Yeah, the tortoise. The tortoise. <laughs> I, I have my water bottle. Success loves discipline. This was for me because I didn't have the disciplines inside me. But I knew that I needed disciplines to get the results that I wanted. Mm. Business owners and leadership team members inherently know, man, we've got to have systems because we, we need to get vision, traction, and healthy. The reason EOS is working with, I think we have 90,000 companies worldwide that are leveraging the tools and using it is because it's very simple. So mm. John Maxwell taught me something. He said, Justin, if you're going to scale something, if you, if you want zip printing to scale, there's three things that are really important. Whatever, life is hard, business is hard, make your system simple. So it's got to be simple. Mm. Number two, it's got to be repeatable, meaning you do it today, it gets you results. You do it tomorrow, same exact thing, it gets you results. You yeah. do it next week, it's repeatable. And then it needs to be transferable from the top all the way to the bottom. Mm. From from the senior executive all the way down to the ground floor team member that's front frontline worker. So if you have 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand people, it's gotta be transferable. The tools have to be so simple yeah. that it's transferable. You can't have you can't have to have a PhD to <laughs> use the tools. And so the system is really designed to, to focus on getting everybody focused and going in the same direction. So there's, there's tools. We have rocks. We have scorecard metrics. We have all kinds of things that keep people focused on the same thing. The second piece of the system 
It's a way that we're going to engage each other. You have to have regular cadence meetings Mm -hmm. looking at all the most important stuff. What's the data telling us? What's our priorities? Are they on track? So there's accountability at every level of the organization. And then lastly, that health piece. If you want, I mean, you can't, you cannot create an amazing brand experience if your people are toxic and and biting each other's heads off. And so you got, the system has to affect where are we going, how are we going to do the work, and how are we going to behave together? The system has to be holistic in nature. So there's some systems that will teach you how to achieve a goal, but it has nothing to do with culture. There's some, some consultants show you how to have a great culture, but it doesn't if affect the data and the accountability in the other systems. So you got to have a system that, that really can, it, it's, it's not a plug and play because you're going to be zip printing, but the system needs to be so simple that it's like, it's like uh, I played college basketball. The best referees are the ones you didn't notice were at the game. Mm. They just, the players shine and the referee just is running the game. The system needs to be simple enough to where it's just running in the background. Yeah, Everybody's owning the disciplines and they're the ones that are the heroes making it happen. Hmm. Wow. I hear, I hear from what we just talked about that having a very clear vision mm-hmm. can really help us drive a more effective marketing plan, whether it's as an agency helping somebody else or internal growing our own company. But having that clear vision and building a strong culture has a huge effect on brand experience, marketing, and all of that type of stuff. Yeah. So vision, when when the leaders are clear as to where we're going, they crystallize that marketing strategy. The message is more united and more mm-hmm. uniform, and it's more targeted. A lot of times I see companies, and they have... I mean, ridiculous amounts of information going out, yeah. and it's not, it feels disjointed. Mm-hmm. But when you have crystal clear vision and you have everybody owning the same DNA, your messaging is so much stronger. You, you, look, at, you look at Chick-fil-A, their numbers don't lie. Steve yeah. Robinson told me that the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A makes 10 times more than their, their competitive counter seat. So if it's a general manager at some other fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. they're making 10 times less than the owner operator. Wow. So it's the model of creating that environment, getting clear vision, and then telling everybody about the experience. If you look at Chick-fil-A's stories, they, they're doing these stories of yeah. life impact. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because that's part of their vision. Every, every aspect of their marketing is helping them drive the achievement of that vision. You look at Bob Chapman, he literally buys companies because he wants to take care of people. That's why he buys the companies. <laughs> it makes good business sense, but he was telling me a story uh, in in France, they were looking at an acquisition and they had this whole line of executives and he's in France. Bob Chapman flew to France, got past the government red tape past the leaders of that company, and there was three more delegates sitting there. There was about a 55, 60-year-old guy that came up to Bob in tears and Hmm. said, Bob, thank you so much. He goes, I've been waiting in tears, in tears. I've been waiting 30 years for you to buy our company. (laughs) There was no marketing happening there. 
It was the story of impact of how Bob Chapman built his team to take care of people that caused this team in France to say, that's who we want to acquire us. Mm. And it's just the execution of delivering what your, your brand is promising, and it's the people that actually deliver on that promise. So, so you cannot have an awesome marketing message unless it is backed by the people that bleed that message. And it's all to achieve the vision. So you see teams that have flashy marketing and you look at when you walk into their store and you're like, this doesn't even feel the same. Mm. And that's that actually probably does more damage than good. Because mm. that means my my flash is is better than my product. Yeah. Who wants that to be nope. their experience? Yeah. Well, Justin, thank you so much for the last 35 minutes or so, just giving us a ton of value there. The the any the leader of a marketing team, the owner of the business, whoever it is, can take this idea of clear vision driving just a, an incredible culture that then turns into an incredible brand experience and take action on that. If they want to reach out to you and ask you a thousand more questions or hire you or whatever, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Best way to do that is just go to my website, justinmoss.com. Or you can go to that justinsfreegift.com, watch all of those, and I'm pretty sure there's a link to reach out to me there. But if I can be helpful, uh, dude, thank you for letting me be on your podcast. No, I appreciate it. It's awesome. I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the Big Brand Theory podcast. Make sure to like and follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast today. 